Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. As you've heard a few times throughout the morning, um, we are kicking off a new series this weekend that is all about friendship. And um, it's great timing because here at Northeast, um, in just a couple of weeks, we've got an event here on campus called Group Connect. And this is something we do a couple times a year to help people take a next step into intentional community. And so if that describes something that you are looking for, if you'd like to get more engaged and more involved here at Northeast, we invite you to join us February 12th, right after the 11 o'clock service. Um, You can sign up on the events page on our website. We would love to see you there. And our hope is that over the next couple of weeks, we can remind you just how important friendships are. You know, research has shown that over the last three years, the number of people who say that they do not have a single close friend has quadrupled. That number is four times higher than it was before the pandemic. It probably does not surprise you to be reminded that we are living in a time when we are more instantly connected to each other than ever, and yet we are lonelier than we ever have been. Research also shows that many of us are attempting to maintain and keep up with somewhere around 150 surface-level connections with people. Instead of following the advice and the research of psychologists, which says that we really need three, somewhere between three and six really close friendships in order to thrive, many of us are attempting to keep up with 150 people. Now, that number sounds really high until you start thinking about all the categories in your life where you have surface-level friendships and all the people you're trying to keep up with. We've got a little pie chart that shows you just some of those categories of who you're trying to keep up with. You've got your coworkers, your neighbors, your people that you work out with, parents of your kids' friends, people you went to school with, your small group, people you volunteer with, serve on the board with, played sports with, grew up with. When you really start thinking through all of those numbers of people, you're trying to keep up with a whole lot of friends. But those friendships are kept at a surface level because we just simply aren't able to get it past that. Yet we're lonelier than ever. Research has also shown us that loneliness to the point of isolation has the same lasting impacts on our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And yet many of us are not putting forth the effort and the energy that it requires to move out of feeling lonely. The really cool thing is that we get to choose which of these friendships we really allow to shape who we become and have a lasting impact on us. So who are those people for you? Some of us can immediately think of who our smaller circle of three to six close friends are, but sometimes that feels really difficult. We've all likely heard Proverbs 27, 17 shared when friendship is talked about. Here's what it says. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And this verse reminds us that friendship is reciprocal. We enter into a friendship with someone because it benefits both parties equally, or at least it should. 
We know that we were never meant to navigate life alone, and friendship is just one of the gifts that God has given us to be reminded of his love as often as possible. There are so many stories throughout scripture of what a good friend Jesus was. We've heard the stories, we know about the examples of what he set for us to follow, and yet we still don't always place friendship at the high level of priority that it should have in our lives. So I want to share with you a few things I think we all do that sabotage our friendships. Maybe one of these will resonate with you or step on your toes a little bit more than the other. The first thing we do to sabotage our friendship is that we wear masks. We find it so hard to simply be ourselves for so many reasons. And we we look around and we take on the expectations of everyone around us and we try to become who we think everyone expects us to be instead of only looking to God for who he's asking us and challenging us to be. Social media makes it easier than ever for us all to continue wearing masks, and yet people who spend more time scrolling social media have a higher rate of perceived isolation. And it's why we as a church, you've heard us talk now several times about developing a rule of life. We're focusing on that more this year than we ever have, challenging you to figure out the rhythms and restrictions that are gonna keep you more connected to God and less connected to your screens and just scrolling mindlessly because all that's doing is giving you and showing you a falsely crafted image of who we think people are. You might think that in a place like church where we're supposed to uh, be able to be our, our real genuine selves before God that we could take those masks off entirely. But the reality is that for some of us, church is the place where we most securely tighten that mask on as perfectly as we can. And we work overtime to hide our pain instead of allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and honest, not only with ourselves, but with the people around us as well. You know, it's very common for people to turn to a faith community to find friendship. And so churches in general do their very best to create safe spaces and environments where people can feel seen and heard and cared for. But that only happens when each of us do our very best to open up about what's really going on. I was not surprised to learn that in 2022, 37% of the people who signed up to take our Northeast Basics class indicated in a survey that the reason they signed up is because they wanted to join a group. They were looking for community because faith environments is a very simple place to start. And groups are our main method of community and connection here at Northeast. But you know, despite our very best efforts and attempts at getting you connected into groups and into intentional community, you still have to do your part. Because I think it's completely possible to see the same people every week for years and never ever get past the really surface level, how are you, how are the kids, how's your job questions. So when do we start feeling comfortable taking off our masks, sharing about what's really going on, talking about our suffering and our pain in a way that lets people in and lets those people help us carry the load? We have to stop wearing masks. The second thing that we do to sabotage our friendships is that we don't make time. Notice I did not say we don't have time, I said we don't make time. Because I think if we took a really honest look at our schedules, many of us could make the time for our friends and for the people who we care about the most. We've all seen those memes about adult friendship. I always laugh when I see this one because I relate to it so much. It says, adult friendship is two people saying, I haven't seen you in forever. We should really meet up more over and over again until one of you dies. 
It's laughable, but it's also reality for many of us. I know for me, I have been saying things are really going to slow down next month for about nine and a half years since Amelia was born. We have to stop waiting and assuming that things are going to slow down and start making time even when we don't feel like we have it. Research has shown that it takes somewhere around 200 hours with someone before you consider them a close friend. And yet I know that for me personally, when life gets a little crazy and when life gets a little hectic, time with friends is often the first thing, the easiest thing in my mind to eliminate from my schedule. And that is completely the opposite of how it should be. So how can we each do our part to make time for our friends and stop sabotaging our friendships? The third thing that we do to sabotage our friendship is that we don't like accountability. We all need people in our lives who are willing to have conversations with us that start with something that sounds like, I am telling you this for your own good. And it's often things that we have no desire to hear. We tend to avoid conversations like that one because we enjoy being around people who affirm us, validate us, lift us up, and make us feel like we are doing awesome. Of course that feels good. And of course we need friends who are doing that in our lives, but I also think that unless we have people who are telling us when it's time to correct or recorrect or pivot or head down a different path than the one that we're on, we're never going to become better friends and we're not gonna become more like Jesus unless we're letting people walk with us in that way. If you haven't had someone ask you recently how your relationship with Jesus is, I think there's a chance you don't have biblical accountability in your life. And if that question made you uncomfortable, is it because you've shied away from that accountability for just a little too long? Do you know those people who can just see you and know exactly how you're doing? Uh, there are a couple of you in this room who do that to me. I see you coming from like across the lobby or I sit across the table at a coffee shop with you and something comes out of your mouth like, I don't think you're okay. And I hate it in that moment because I think my mask is secured on just as tightly as I've placed it. But you see me anyway. And even if I hate it in the moment, later that day, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the challenge and I'm thankful for the direction and the encouragement that points me back to Jesus and keeps me on the path toward him. Who are the people in your life that are doing that? And if you don't have that, if you can't answer that question right now, is it time to step into accountability? So what do we do to sabotage our friendships? There are three things there. We wear masks, we don't make time, and we don't like accountability. The Bible has so many accounts of different types of friendships and relationships that we can learn so much from. And I wanna share just three specific examples with you and tell you what type of friendship their, uh, their friendship in scripture uh, should teach us. Uh, the first is Elijah and Elisha. And this friendship would be described as uh, friends who serve as mentors in our lives. So I want you to start thinking about who you're doing this for or who's doing this in your life. Elijah was a leader, he was a prophet, and he made it possible for Elisha to learn from him as a leader. Elijah created space and time to mentor Elisha and share with him what he had learned throughout his years as a leader. Uh, First Kings provides us with the account of the years that they continued this mentor-mentee relationship and the value that it added to both of their lives. Notice it added value to both of their lives. Sometimes we step into that type of relationship and we assume that if we're the mentor in that situation, then we're just there to teach them everything they need to know. But it turns out we get just as much back in that friendship. 
There's so much value in having friends who can serve as wise counselors in our lives, and there's so much value in doing that for others. The friendship between Elijah and Elisha reminds us that it doesn't always take common interests or a similar age or similar personality to create a unique bond and friendship. Sometimes it's simply recognizing the way that a person lives, the way that a person treats other people, the way that a person leads, and knowing that you want to become more like them. Those are the kind of people we want to surround ourselves with, people who help us better understand and see how God has wired us and where God needs and wants us to go. We all need friends in our lives who serve as mentors for us. The second example in scripture of biblical friendship that we're going to look at is the friendship between David and Jonathan. And this would be described as friendship that protects. Uh, This friendship might be the, the most talked about friendship in scripture. Uh, We read about it in 1 Samuel, and David and Jonathan were so close that some of the language around their their friendship in scripture um, can sound a little intense. And the bond that they formed, that they, they had, was formed when they served together as soldiers. And if you are someone who has served in the military, or maybe you've been on a sports team that just clicked differently than anything you had experienced, maybe you've had a community around you that just felt different You can imagine that that is what David and Jonathan experienced. It was a bond that could never be replaced. Jonathan went to great lengths to protect David in any way that he could. My favorite part about their friendship is that they did everything possible to elevate one another and never consider themselves as more important or more special in any way. We all need friends who protect us in that way. The third and final friendship we want to look at in the Bible is a friendship between Ruth and Naomi, and their friendship can be described as a friendship born from tragedy. Many friendships, as we said, start from a place of common interest or similar personality, Um, and that's not the case with Ruth and Naomi's friendship, uh, because Naomi was actually Ruth's mother-in-law, and I think we all can agree that that's not a friendship that always clicks quite as naturally as theirs did. Uh, They both lost their husbands, and they were left with nothing other than each other. Ruth and Naomi understand one another's pain in a way that no one else could. And in Ruth 1, verse 12, we read that Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. And when we look at the original Hebrew um, word for clung, the definition of it actually means to stick by and stay close. That is the kind of friendship that they shared. Here's what it says in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. It says, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. When we look at the friendship that Ruth and Naomi had, um, we realize and we remember how much stronger our friendships become when we walk through trials together. When someone shows up at your door with a meal or someone shows up at the hospital or someone remembers to check on you after you've been through something difficult when all the other voices get quiet, those are the friendships born through tragedy and that is a bond that, that we don't want to have with people because it means we've been through tough things but it's in those moments we're reminded of the gift that friendship is and the gifts through people that God gives us for those moments. We'll all have friendships born from tragedy. Who are those people in your life? 
So the three friend types of friendships we just talked about, we've got friends who serve as mentors, friendship that protects, and friendship born from tragedy. Who are the people in your life who resemble that type of friendship for you? Maybe you're thinking of someone that you've lost touch with, someone that you wish you were closer to. There are so many more biblical examples of friendship, and most of us have heard these stories before, and yet we still feel challenged at times to to change the temperature on our friendships or to take them to the next level, to feel like someone is a close friend. It can be hard to cross that barrier to really feel like you have close friends, because I think it's possible to sit in a room um, of this size or even sometimes a room the size of a living room surrounded by people and still feel like nobody really knows you? Have you ever just felt really lonely? Have you ever felt stuck in that feeling of feeling really lonely? This dangerous thing happens when we allow ourselves to feel lonely for too long is that we start believing some lies that Satan loves to tell us in those moments. Because when we feel lonely, these thoughts enter our minds that sound like, I'm lonely because no one understands what I'm going through. Or I'm lonely because no one cares what I'm going through. I'm lonely because there must be something wrong with me. I'm lonely because I just don't make friends like everyone else does. The danger about these thoughts is that they keep us stuck right where we are in the moment that they enter our mind. And they keep us from believing that things could be different. They keep us from believing that there's anything we can do to change that. But I do believe that there's a lot we can do to change that. And sometimes it just takes looking back at scripture, seeing specific examples of how to be a good friend and how to receive that kind of care from someone else. You know, too often when we think that we need deeper friendships, we assume that it means we need more people in our lives. But we already talked about how so many of us are attempting to keep up with 150 plus surface level connections. And so all we do when we think we need new friends is we add to that list and we feel even more overwhelmed by the number of relationships and connections and people who we're trying to keep up with. And we again feel like we're just failing and nothing ever gets past that surface level. So what if instead the next time we just feel like we need a little more connection, we consider that there might already be people in our lives who we just want to get a little closer to. But how do we do that? How do we, how do we cross that line to really feel like we are close with people and we have friendships with people who don't expect us or want us or allow us to wear masks? I want to share with you a couple tips of maybe some things that we can do. And the first, in my opinion, is the most important. If you want to have better friends, closer friends, the first thing that you can do is to be a good friend to yourself first. The easiest way to practice being a good friend is actually showing up in your own life for yourself well. If you wanna find friends who are willing to fight for you, respect you, encourage you, and stand by you, you have to be willing to do that for yourself and you have to believe that you are worth doing that for. Recently, Pete Scazzaro, he's a pastor and an author who writes a lot about emotional health and emotionally healthy leadership. He said this, he said, the degree to which we love ourselves is the degree to which we will be able to love others well. The way that we treat ourselves impacts how we treat others. If we are critical, judgmental, and perfectionistic with ourselves, that is how others often feel treated by us. But if we're kind, compassionate, and gentle with ourselves, we will inevitably be that way with others. 
Now, there's nothing groundbreaking or new about this information, but I think if we're honest with ourselves right now, I think there's a chance that all of us could think of a language we've used, words we've thought, words we've said out loud about ourselves recently that we would never, ever say about someone we care about. And if you think I'm being dramatic, I want to give you a couple of examples because these are some things that I need to stop saying in my own life. I need to stop saying, I give up. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. They don't like me. I am so awkward. I am such a burden. I think that all of us could make a list of things that we say to ourselves, either just in our minds or things that we have said out loud about ourselves. And maybe it doesn't seem that bad. Like maybe you're like, yeah, I say those things to myself. But I want you to imagine sitting across a table at Starbucks with your very best friend and saying any of those things to them. Because I don't think that any of us, I hope, would look at our very best friend and say, you should give up. You can't do it. You're not good enough. They just don't like you. You are so awkward. You are such a burden. If we wouldn't say those things to our friends, then why in the world do we think it's okay to say those things to ourselves? We've got to flip the script in our mind because as Pete said, if we are kind, compassionate, and gentle with ourselves, we will inevitably be that way with others. We've got to be a good friend to ourselves first. The second tip that I wanna give you today is to start with who is already in your life. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to limit yourself to that list because if everyone already had their people, then no one would ever make new friends. But you might be sitting here today thinking about friendships in your life that you wish you could just get a little closer to. You also might be sitting here thinking you're not sure if there's anyone in your life who can help you down the path of becoming more like Jesus. And that's okay. So I want to talk to you first if the latter describes you best, if you're feeling like you're not sure if you have anybody. The people you surround yourself with have the potential to draw you closer to Jesus or to pull you further away from him. So if there are people who you call friends who you often find yourself gossiping with, getting in trouble with, doing anything other than leaving you feeling built up and lifted up when you leave them, then I wanna ask you, are those people really your friends? We've already talked about how limited our time is, right? We've already said we don't make time. So why are we giving that precious limited time to people who don't make us better and who don't point us toward Jesus? Is there an opportunity to do a little bit of an evaluation of, of how you feel when you spend time with different groups of people? Do they make you more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Maybe it's time that you widen your circle. Maybe it's time for you to give your church the chance to get you plugged into some healthy community that might just help you start to take off that mask. If you're sitting here and you, you're thinking through the friendships in your life and you do feel confident that there are some people in your life who you just wish you were closer to, I want to challenge you to uh, try being um, uh, a better friend or more, a more present friend in one of these four ways. How can you be more present in the life of your friend, either physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually? If it's physically, maybe it means that you need to physically spend time with someone. Maybe you schedule an activity with a friend that requires you to spend some time together. If you have an opportunity to be more present emotionally for a friend, maybe it's as simple as just listening to them and remaining silent to offer space for them to be vulnerable. 
If you feel like maybe you need to be more present mentally, maybe this looks like offering some reassurance or advice about what's going on in their life and helping them find some really healthy next steps to pursue. And hopefully we all feel like we could be a little more present spiritually. Maybe it's not just simply telling a friend that you're praying for them. Maybe it's stopping and praying with them in that exact moment. How can you be more present in the friendships that God has placed in your life? We all have um, different needs in friendship. We're all wired differently. We all um, hope for different things out of our friendships. But I think throughout life, we're all going to need people to be present all four of those ways. So what is it right now that you need and what do you have to offer someone else? Because we said friendship is reciprocal. So maybe you can identify something that you need from a friend right now that you can tell them, hey, I just need time with you. Hey, I just need you to listen. Will you pray with me right now? These are some really simple, tangible ways for you to get that friendship to that next level. The third tip that I want to challenge you to do is to be willing to work through the mess. Friendship can be really, really messy, and it is hard work. And if all of us walked away and threw in the towel the second that things got awkward or you realized that you're not on the same page about everything in the world, none of us would have any friends right now. We have to be willing to navigate the mess. And the first thing that we need to do when things get a little messy or there's a little bit of conflict is we need to figure out where we need to take ownership in what's going on in the situation. And I know for a fact that some of you are immediately thinking, I didn't do anything wrong, that was all their fault. But I wanna challenge you to dig in and figure out some ownership that you can take in a situation where maybe friendship just got off the right path. And maybe there's no hope of reigniting that friendship, but maybe there's something you can learn from that mess to make sure you don't allow it to happen again. We really have to stop shying away from the difficult conversations because that's really one of the best ways that any of us are going to grow. Philippians 2.4 reminds us of these words. It says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What if that interest that you can take became all about learning to navigate challenges and messy situations in God-honoring ways because not only do we want to make sure our closest friends bring out the best in us, we also want to do the same for them as well. Sometimes the mess just gets a little too messy. And I do want to emphasize that I am not suggesting that you have to keep someone in your life if things are so bad that it's not good for your mental or your emotional health. Maybe the difficult conversation or the lesson that you can learn from that really difficult friendship is just being able to have that conversation to begin with, to articulate the hurt, to help one another grow as you move away from each other. You know, if we do this friendship thing right, every single friendship is going to go through difficult times. Maybe it's a disagreement or a misunderstanding that just gets taken and escalated far too quickly. Maybe it's more about priorities changing in different seasons of life. We could all put all of our time into effort into this and still not ever be able to avoid the mess in friendship entirely. But every time we're presented with a mess or a conflict or a disagreement or a really difficult friendship, we have this incredible chance to approach it with graciousness and patience and compassion and forgiveness, simply modeling the example of what God continues to do for each and every one of us every single day, despite whether we deserve it or not. What a powerful opportunity that we have to point people to Jesus, even in the midst of those difficult conversations when we find ourselves in a mess in friendship. 
So again, those three tips, uh, be a good friend to yourself first. Please do this. Start with who is already in your life. Let's evaluate where you're at right now and an honest look at the friends in your life and be willing to work through the mess. Our hope throughout this series is that God will give us wisdom and a true spirit of intentionality as each of us do our very best to become better friends, glorifying God in every friendship and relationship that he's placed in our lives. What an incredible opportunity he has invited each of us into. As we get ready to... um, Here's some exciting news from tomorrow. I want to give you just a really simple, practical way to apply what we've been talking about today. I'm going to give you permission to text in church. So I want you to take out your phones and I want you to think of someone in your life who's been a friend to you. Someone who has shown up in the middle of a dark time in your life. Someone who makes you laugh someone who spends time with you, someone who prays with you, someone who you know without a shadow of a doubt that they are helping you become more like Jesus every single day. Will you send them a text right now? It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It can literally just be, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for pointing me to Jesus. Whatever it needs to be, I believe that God is calling us to be more intentional about having those conversations. And I'm challenging you and inviting you into that right now. And as you continue to send those messages, I would just like to pray over every person who's being reached through the messages that you're sending right now. So you pray with me. Father God, I thank you for an opportunity for this conversation. I thank you for um, placing people in our lives who help us become more like you. Uh, I pray for anyone in a season where you're just not sure where those people are. I pray that um, you'll open up your your heart uh, to who it is who God uh, wants to bring into your life who can help you uh, believe in yourself um, and point you to him. God, I pray for every message that's being sent right now. Uh, I pray for the recipient on the other end of those, God, that you are just allowing them to feel encouraged and be reminded uh, of the friend that they are. And I pray that those connections will only become stronger because of our willingness to be intentional with our friends. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.